Charles, Robert, and Bob, and take a look at how one engages with the negotiation process, what influence um, can business have. We thought it would be really useful to think about what the norm is in Washington, D.C., and so we're particularly delighted to have Bob Kyle on the line with us today from Washington. So Bob has served in senior positions in both the White House and in Congress, and he now helps businesses to navigate the Washington landscape. So he's going to be um, in conversation with Charles Brasted and with Robert Gardner. So I'm going to now pass the baton on to Charles. Thank you, Susan. Um, just to put this in a little bit of context um, before we get into it. Um, I think one of the things we've already done in, in the last few minutes is a little bit of uh, myth-busting. Um, the idea that the UK has nobody who knows how to negotiate a trade agreement um, is, is facile. We've heard that. Uh, the idea that the UK government hasn't started thinking about um, how it will play those and what it wants to get out of them um, is clearly not borne out by all of our experiences over the last three and a half years. Um, but does that mean it's all straightforward from here? Well, we've heard it's complex. I think there are really two issues for me uh, about how this is going to work for business. Um, one, of course, is a, a, a simple issue to state and difficult one to solve, which is capacity, capacity within the UK government and indeed within the business sector to manage multiple trade negotiations simultaneously on a timescale that is entirely unprecedented. Uh, capacity problems aside, I think what was fascinating from the conversation we've just heard is the detail that Lord Ezzelaline can give about the way in which the EU approaches trade negotiations, the institutional setups, the established processes, and the way it engages with other stakeholders. That's the bit that in the UK we don't have because we haven't needed it. We haven't needed it for at least two generations, which is probably about 100 ministerial generations. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so we just don't know how we're going to approach that. Um, so that's really why we thought, well, who in the world does know how to do this? Um, and we thought about the US, and then we obviously thought about uh, Bob. And, and I think there are really two two questions that we want to two strands to think about here. One is how government, the, the negotiators, engage with business. The other, and Aline touched on this, is is how the executive engages with with the legislature. And one of the developments we've seen in the UK in the last couple of months is a change to our withdrawal act withdrawal bill as it's to this. Um, the government had offered concessions to the opposition a few months ago to give Parliament a clear direct role in setting and monitoring the mandate for the negotiations. That has now gone. So what is that relationship between our government and our Parliament as these negotiations go through? Um, and, and the second strand is, of course, that business engagement. So I'm um, really keen to get your insights into how that works in a part of the world where you, you know how to do it. We know the US has been doing this for a long time, and, and you've got a very well-established tradition of business engagement directly with trade negotiators to help shape those agreements. Can you just tell us a bit about how that works, what the structures are, what the processes are, what's good and bad about it? Sure, glad to do it, Charles, and good afternoon, everyone. Um, as Charles just said, you know, the US has been doing this, doing trade uh, agreement negotiations for decades. And so I would say in broad stroke, we have both a formal form of consultation and an informal form of consultation. The formal one 
is pretty well established and structured. It was set up in 1974 originally and involves 14 industry trade advisory committees or ITACs that formally advise our United States trade representative who does our trade negotiations and government officials. And they have these different groups that represent a lot of different sectors, everything from aerospace to digital economy to steel to services to consumer goods, um, and formally advises them. Uh, Lord has sort of indicated what exists along those lines in the EU space. There may not be as much in the UK space. So the second dimension of this is informal consultation, where there's a very open line in the United States where companies may go in and directly have meetings with USTR to talk about their interests, what they'd like to see in the negotiations, or they go in with trade associations, which sometimes companies like to do to sort of a little bit hide behind maybe, or if there's a commonality of interest in the trade association, it's a little more powerful to have a number of companies come in. But individual companies come in if they need a more tailored message as to what works for them. And the consultation, of course, in our case, is not just with business, but also labor groups go in, environmental groups go in. It's pretty broad. But there's a fairly established thing, but I think in the context of the UK, we'll have to see if they establish more formal structures. But certainly the informal structure can be very effective, both for companies and for trade associations. Thanks, Bob. That, that's really interesting. Um, I guess from a, a UK perspective where uh, the word lobbying is often thought of as a dirty word, um, there's potentially a perception that you know it, it's not right for businesses and trade associations to, to try and direct, uh, direct government policy. Um, what would you say uh, for that sort of audience here about what the, the value and purpose um, of the consultation process is? What's, what's the reason for it? Sure. Well, you know, I had served in the Clinton White House as the President's Special Assistant for International Trade, so I had lots of companies coming in uh, to talk to me about trade agreements that we were negotiating at the time. And I think the most useful thing that came out of it was that they would explain to me how their business worked and what we needed to do in the negotiations to protect the interests. You know, UK negotiators should be trying to serve the interests of the UK in these negotiations. And most of them do not come out of your sector. They, they don't know much about your sector. And frankly, you don't want people negotiating who don't know any of the business realities of sectors. So if, if you can go in and explain to them how your business works, what you want to achieve, what's important for the UK business, that can be very useful to a government official who really doesn't have any background in it and can frankly stop them from doing things that are unwise inadvertently because they simply don't know enough about the business. So I didn't see it as as a horrible thing to do. I saw it as actually helping the negotiators um, in the process of this. And I would say that you're likely to be most effective when you do intelligently educate them about your business and what needs to be done in negotiations to help advance UK interests. Thanks, Robert. And, and to, just to understand, maybe this is a naive question, but in the US, do you see businesses, business leaders, their advisors in the room as part of the actual trade negotiations or sitting alongside government negotiators or They're generally not in the negotiating room itself, 
at the end of the day, they are frequently outside the room, and because there is this pattern of consultation, it's not unusual for the U.S. negotiators to come out and consult with them. But the overarching point that I'd make is you have sort of a choice whether you're going to be proactive or reactive. And as in most things in business and elsewhere, it's almost always better to be reactive, and it's almost always better to start very early. So, you know, we were talking about how the the UK is putting together its proposals, which it will submit to the EU and so forth. Um, It is much better to be in at the takeoff than try to join the whole thing mid-flight or at the landing. If your business goes to the UK negotiators now and says, look, in my business, here are the things that are really important to get. Here are the things you've got to avoid. Here's what was in past agreements that makes sense. Here's what wasn't in past agreements and so forth, then you do have an opportunity to shape what they are going to propose at the outset. And, of course, it's always better to shape what they propose at the outset than asking them to make a mid-course correction. And so you can really direct things. And, again, you do it in this way that demonstrates you have knowledge about the industry and you can help them uh, make smart decisions. And so if you start early, you have a much better chance of influencing the final result. I always think... If you're standing outside the room at the end of the day hoping to get in and knocking on the door and hoping to get in, you are probably losing. If, on the other hand, months before that, if you have had a conversation very clearly stating what your priorities were and helping to educate them about why that's important for UK interests, then you're going to find that whether you're in the room at the end of the day or or not doesn't make as much difference because they already know what you think. You've already had this discussion. In your perspective, hopefully you've persuaded them as to what uh, they ought to do, and they're already pursuing what you would want. So starting early, I would say, is really critical and has a much better chance of directing things in a way that makes sense from your perspective and from their perspective hopefully lines up with UK interests. Okay, so get there early, be ready to educate, inform, support, um, is I think the message we hear um, loud and clear. so that's what businesses need to do. Um, if you had three top tips on how businesses right now should be preparing to make that engagement as effective as possible to make sure they get that educational piece done, um, what would you be advising advising businesses to do right now? Well, the first thing is to start early. So we sort of went over that, start early. Two, I would take a look at the past agreements that have been reached. Look at the agreements, for example, that the U.S. has negotiated uh, free trade agreements with other countries to understand where the U.S. might be coming at this. Um, Look at agreements that the EU has negotiated. uh, And again, with an idea of what uh, were provisions that are good that we want to keep, what provisions maybe were troubling, what additional provisions could there be, And lastly, just be real clear about what your priorities are. Think through as a business, what are my priorities in this negotiation? What do I want out of it? So that you would be sure that what's being negotiated lines up uh, with what you want. Obviously, clarity of thought and strategy is always really important, and it will serve you well, I think, um, as you try to engage with government officials on this thing. Well, thanks very much for that, uh that quick masterclass in in um, engaging in trade negotiations. That's uh, fantastically helpful insight. 
Um, if, if I can try and now translate that into the, um, uh, the, the, the world of the UK and, and what we're about to <coughs> leap into, um, and, and ask Robert a, a couple of quick questions about the practicalities of this, really. Um, we don't have the formalised engagement processes and the experience of doing that, that that Bob was talking about, but I guess we have exactly the same need from, from the business side of things to get those tasks done, the, the, the early education, the, the guidance. Um, having heard what Bob was saying, Robert, what do you think, what are the points you take from that on a practical basis uh, for what businesses here need to do? Well, Charles, thank you. And, and Bob, thank you. Certainly everything you've said from learnings in the US resonates um, from my experience over here. Um, in terms of adding a bit of a, a UK how, I think monitoring is very important. I think um, businesses that recognise the government is in uh, uncharted territory uh, and has set itself this, Charles, you called it an unprecedented timescale. Um, I think where business can be monitoring for risk and opportunity, not just for itself, but actually for government, for the United Kingdom, um, uh, because of the economic consequences of that, uh, business can, can use that as a means of getting uh, into government and, and providing some constructive solutions to that. But by monitoring, it's not just keeping an eye on the news and, and, and what's available in the public domain, it's also by engaging directly and stitching together the various points that businesses are hearing and taking the, the, the culmination of that back to government. Because um, as, we've, as we've said on previous webinars, government is not monolithic and very often can benefit from outside organisations having picked up conversations around government and taken that back to it. Um, it's a cliche to say that government doesn't know what it doesn't know, but I think we've talked about unknown unknowns. And I think, again, where business is able to identify some of the risks, not just for itself and its sector, but for government itself in these talks, that's something that government will be, uh, will be very happy to hear. Um, and then, obviously, to present that with some constructive mechanisms for government to address it, uh, drawing on the experience that business will have uh, and, and some of the ways in which government can approach that um, will, will be beneficial to all parties. Robert, we've got, as we've already heard today, uh, a strong majority government for the first time in a while, um, meaning, and, and one that has already uh, sought to reduce the intended role of parliament in this trade process. Um, does that mean, in your view, that uh, in terms of engagement over the coming months and years, I suppose indeed in terms of the intelligence gathering that you were just talking about being crucial, that all of our efforts need to be focused on, on government, or, or is there also something about Parliament or indeed about other stakeholders that need to be part of, uh, part of a business strategy? Well, I think it's, it's certainly the case that we have a very different parliamentary makeup now than, than when we started our webinar series. But um, uh, my sense is very much to focus on, on government, to focus on um, politicians, but also the senior officials within government. Um, what I would add, though, is, is to be cognizant of the broader domestic agenda of government. As we've said on previous webinars, this is a government that is not only committed to Brexit and the trade deal, but it's also committed to retaining um, the support that it was given at the last election. Um, one of the ways that it will do this is by a fairly progressive domestic agenda, 
um, and that is something where anyone who can support you know will be will be greeted with open arms um, which in a sense takes us back to Parliament because over the course of the next four or five years I think to start with we're going to see a much more holistic approach to retaining that support by delivering a strong economic um, ground for jobs and prosperity across the UK but my sense is towards the end of this Parliament, we will start to see um, a move towards more specific support for constituencies, uh, and that is where um, businesses can also start to engage with some of those backbench, particularly Tory MPs, who will be gearing up in election mode to the next um, to the next general election. Thanks, Robert. And just, just one last question on the how. Um, Bob talked a bit earlier about the role of trade associations in the US, uh, and of course. Those are some of the structures, the institutions that we do have and, and know well in the UK. The business organisations, the trade associations, have played a, a, a big role in, in communication between industry and, and government. Um, do you see do you see that as being the uh, the central channel for engagement with government on the trade policy issues, um, or, or are, there, are there other things, other ways? Uh, the businesses need to be thinking about? Well, I think trade bodies remain incredibly important and they are recognised and respected by government as indeed they are by their members. Um, one of the prices that we pay for weight is dilution and I think we need to be careful that we are assessing in an unprecedented period with an unprecedented time frame that we're not just relying on a default um, some of the trade bodies that we as a firm are associated with have been incredibly nimble uh, and drawn on great uh, contacts and some very bright people to uh, to support government. But I don't think I don't think anyone uh, has all the answers in this. And I think in addition to um, drawing on membership and support for trade bodies, I do think organisations need to be engaging directly with government. Um, I think they need to be monitoring and they need to be. Um, providing constructive solutions directly because there will be small wins uh, for for business and indeed for government um, which which shouldn't be ignored uh, and just on that Charles there's a second point one thing that we as a firm have heard a lot about is that um, some of the smaller organizations um, may not have the resource or the experience or indeed the weight to um, go into government and, and make noise and be heard um, I think it's important that they come together uh, as, 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 as closely as they can, um, rely on their membership of trade bodies, but also where they have lawyers, and particularly good lawyers, um, to you know, seek guidance from them in how they can both um, plan uh, an approach to government uh, and supporting government for this, but then also relying on firms and advisors that they already have to provide some of that assistance um, for them.